0: Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders, while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Fill her up! You're listening to the Gas Digital Network.
1: We need to roll back the state. We spy on all of our own citizens. Our prisons are flooded with nonviolent drug offenders. If you want to know who America's next enemy is... Look at who we're funding right now. Every single one of these problems are a result of government being way too big. You're listening to Part of the Problem on the Gas Digital Network. Here's your host, Dave Smith. What's up, everybody? What's up? Welcome to a brand new episode of Part of the Problem. I am Dave Smith. He is Rob Bernstein, the fire, king of the cocks, and we are almost on our way out to uh, Dallas-Fort Worth to do some stand-up comedy this weekend. If uh, if you're listening to this too late, next weekend we'll be out in uh, Detroit, coming all over the place to you.
2: How are you, Rob? I'm doing well and excited for a weekend of some comedy.
1: Hell yeah, me too. So, before we start our comedy weekend, let's talk about what's going on in the world. Major, major uh, uh, story written the other day by uh, Seymour Hirsch. Um who is, of course, if people don't know, he's like, uh, I don't know. He's he's a true OG uh journalist, um, who's been around forever. Uh, he was um f- he he became famous uh during the uh the early 70s, exposing uh stuff that was going on in uh Vietnam. The May Lee massacre, I believe was his big uh his big thing that he revealed. And he's uh, just a very uh a really great journalist like one of the few kind of old school genuinely great journalists anyway he wrote a piece um just uh uh the other day about the Nord Stream pipeline uh really probably the most uh, damning uh piece of the, that that's been written so far really just claiming with certainty that this was a US uh operation um this uh So this is a big deal Uh, for people who don't remember, by the way, just to catch everybody up to speed. uh, Nord Stream was a pipeline that was built between Russia and Germany, a natural gas pipeline. They built they built two of them. And of course, a few months ago now um, they were blown up and it was determined pretty early on that they were blown up in like a real sophisticated way. Um, these were like underwater explosives that were very precise and everyone knew it kind of, this was some, this was the work of, you know, this wasn't like a rogue actor sneaking some explosives into, you know, uh, some submarines and shit. Like this was clearly what was a military operation. Um, we told you right away that it was pretty obvious who the suspects here were and they were basically all the U S like it could have been the UK or something like that, or, but it's basically it was coming from the West. It the official uh, line, uh, the the official narrative was that it uh, it was Putin who did it, but of course that made no sense from the very beginning.
2: Isn't it odd how effective uh, state lying is? That the United States government clearly either blew this thing up or at least empowered somebody else to do so. And then just gets to go, nope, they blew their own thing that they needed up that was making them money and gives us all the leverage. They did it and just disappeared from the storylines. Yeah,
1: yeah. No, it is pretty incredible. Um, it, it really reminded me, I mean, I remember saying this at the time, that it just, it reminded me of the claims of Assad gassing his own people and how it's just on the face of it. I remember being on, I was on a SE Cup show back then on uh, the, when she was at CNN still, and I remember being on the next day and it's kind of tough the next day because, like, right now I'd have a lot more ammo. I'd be like, oh, well, look, there's all these whistleblowers from the OPCW who's confirmed that it wasn't, you know what I mean, like, uh, blah, blah, blah. It doesn't look like it was a, you know, a chemical attack coming from Assad's side, blah, blah, blah. All this stuff. At that time, you have nothing except the fact that I know this is bullshit. <laughs> like, I'm just like, I know this is bullshit. And I remember arguing uh, this with her and being like, look, this just, it just makes no sense. And you're all and they're all taking it as gospel. Right away. Assad gassed his own people. It's not even like there's no allegedly in that story when they read it. It's just like this is a fact that we know. And I'm like, well, just think about this with me, Essay. Two weeks ago, Donald Trump uh um stated that we're leaving Syria. He goes, We're leaving, ISIS has been defeated. He basically said the regime change is over, we're not attempting it anymore. Assad's been fighting this bloody fight for his life to not end up like Gaddafi right and then two weeks ago Trump says that's it we're leaving he gets to survive and and keep ruling the country and then he's going to do the one thing that would keep American forces and and put his own life in danger the one thing for what strategic value like 500,000 people have already died in the civil war I'm going to kill 150 more of them but by gas like, why? What this just? Um, no, I'm not saying that makes it impossible. I mean, okay, maybe someone, he could have just made the biggest strategic military blunder in history or something like that. But it at least starts you with the perspective of like, wait, I, I'm not buying this. I'm going to need to see some evidence. It's, it was a kind of similar thing with the idea that Putin, uh, you know, blew up his own pipeline. Like, why would he do that? It's just now, so he just essentially would have destroyed his own leverage, you know? Like, if he wants to turn the pipes off, he can turn them off. He doesn't have to deliver natural gas to Germany just because there's a pipeline there. It just gives him the option to do it if he wants to. And, of course, that's tremendous leverage that he has over Germany and Western Europe in general, right? Look, we can get you really cheap energy if you want it. Okay. Okay. Why would he take that? It just makes no sense. But then, of course, from the perspective of uh, why would the Americans want to do it? Well, it's obvious what their their motive is. So they have a very clear, you know, the um, the the uh, American side clearly has means, motive and opportunity. Uh, the, the you cannot find a motive for the Germans or for the Russians. And so it just seems like y- the people who have the capability to pull off this strike it it gets very limited down very quickly and so this seems like the most obvious answer but this what uh Seymour hirsch writes is uh is quite a bit different and uh so the the name of his piece is how america uh took out the Nord Stream pipelines um the uh, the subtitle is the new york times called it a mystery but the united states executes a covert sea op- uh executed a covert sea operation that was kept secret until now I highly recommend people read it. He's got sources um, who uh, basically are blowing the whistle on this. Now, these are anonymous sources. So, you know, like always, you don't you never know these things. Uh, you know, you, you don't know exactly who we're talking about. Seymour Hirsch has a about as long a track record as being like the real deal. And I don't think he's just making this shit up. I think if he has sources like this, he's telling the truth. This seems to me to be the truth that. This was an operation that they ran, um, and yeah, I don't know. You read the piece? Uh, any thoughts that uh, you wanted to share?
2: Well, it, th- that's a. F- I, I guess you got to take his word for with the whistleblowers, because uh, it seemed to me obvious that we had some sort of involvement. But when you have this level of speci- uh, specificity, and I, and, and I don't know this guy, I've never read any of his other stuff. I'm always a little bit skeptical of like, how do you have this down to the Hollywood storyline? But yeah. Uh, it all—I mean—it all sounds reasonable. It all yeah. kind of checks out. Well,
1: if you, uh, you look, you're the, you should always, I think, uh, approach stories with anonymous sources with a little bit of uh, skepticism. But like you said, this is a guy who I think has a long, trustworthy uh, career, and this does all seem to make a lot of sense. Now, it's, you know, right, we'll probably we we don't know these things for one hundred percent certain. Go ahead.
2: Okay, this is kind of an odd, uh, more my, my observation, but. You read about, like, these, I guess, your super soldiers, the guys who are, like, in your most elite ranks of the SEALs, or, like, your absolute best divers. And so probably once in their career they get their call that they're coming down to Washington. And so from their heads, like, they're, you know, you put on your suit, you're as intense as possible, you get your briefing, and you're like, this is your big moment to serve your country. And so you're in, like, the depths of D.C., CIA's talking to you. You know what I mean? You're like, yes, sir, we got this. We got this mission. And then it's the world's biggest idiots that are handing you your marching orders. It's Blinken and it's whoever else who yeah. are basically just working for, I guess, oil companies in America. It's some sort of weird mercantil- mercantilism here where.
1: Well, it, there's there's a couple different schools of thought on this. And there is basically there's there, there's um, I know like George Friedman. Who I, I believe it was George Friedman. He's the guy who founded Stratford. His thing was basically his argument was that it's not really just uh, mercantilism. I mean, I guess it it still could be mercantilism by like, you know, with another degree of separation or something. But they say that the big thing is that the the big fear of the like kind of American empire. He wouldn't use that term, but I would. But like the big fear of the the like of the U.S. you know government interests is that. Is um, Germany and Russia uniting, and that basically, if you had like the innovation of Germany and the manpower of Russia, if they were like to to like unite, they could actually pose a threat to our what if we're you know, going to
2: go to war with them or people are going to trade more like if you well, just take that one step further it becomes mercantile because it's like yes that's well that's why i said that we can't right. compete with them that's yes well that's why i said
1: it's yeah like separated yeah. by one more degree but it does seem like yeah look the the fear is like over them being a threat to our global dominance right so like and and then yes as which you part, has an what, idea which, that
2: there needs to be global dominance
1: right and all and uh, right and and then now of course uh people like us um You know libertarians and um i don't know just sane human beings we look at it and we would say more like hey you know when germany and russia went to war in the 20th century twice it was the worst thing in the history of the world like literally the worst the the death numbers which i forget the exact numbers but in world war ii it's something like 30 million people died just in the war between germany and russia like the worst thing ever and so holy shit if they're like becoming close trading partners and now germany is relying on them for cheap uh for cheap natural gas and russia's relying on them as a customer oh it makes it very unlikely that they'd ever fight a war against each other again that's amazing but of course you know the American, and this is the mercantilism or just the cronyism or whatever you want to call it, but of course the world empire goes, yeah, 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 yeah but then we can't make sure our people get rich off the, these deals and other people might get rich off them. It's, it's a, absolutely insane, but what, you know, one of the things that, uh, again, I mean, this is like what we've been talking about the whole time, and this is what I was talking about when I was on Rogan last time, and I got some pushback from all the Ukrainian flag uh, you know, NPCs uh, But look, if you just understand that this, with with the Nord Stream thing, and I think anyone being reasonable looking at this, it goes, okay, fine. You don't have to take Seymour Hirsch at his word and go, this is one hundred percent true, and I trust him on his sources. Okay, fine. But you could, you'd have to at least admit that this is a, m- at this point, a much more compelling, uh, case than vladimir putin blew up his own pipelines because we say so the the strongest argument i ever heard for why vladimir putin uh blew up which I, I can't remember who made this argument but i think it was one of the cable news guys said well he's doing it because it's going to look like it's us so basically he's <laughs> framing us but like that's the best argument they can come up with is like well the reason he did it is because it so obviously looks like it's us you like well okay so even by your argument it pretty obviously looks like it's us um But if you accept this, which it does seem to be like the overwhelming, most likely thing that happened, doesn't it really change the narrative of like the official story here where it's like the official story is like what Vladimir Putin's a madman, a psychopath, a war criminal. He wants to take over all of Europe and he's a threat to even though he can't manage to take over Ukraine and he's totally getting humiliated there, but we still need to send in hundreds of billions of dollars, you know, even though he's getting humiliated and all this. Um, but if you start to look at the reality of the situation, you see something much different. And, you know, there's as is as is always the case with when you're dealing with governments, there's no good guys. It's really just a range of it's it's a group of bad guys. And then you have to kind of discern who's worse out of, uh, of the group. But who who's america in all of this now well they're not exactly the people who are just like well we see democracy being threatened in ukraine and so we must send them weapons to preserve democracy because that's in everybody's interest it's more like oh no you guys are what i mean how would you describe it they're industrial terrorists environmental terrorists they're also clearly happy to sacrifice um the security and well-being of of Western Europeans. Forget just, you know, forget the fact that we're using the Ukrainians as cannon fodder or that we're trying to, you know, destroy the Russian economy. But what about Western Europe? I mean, what about Germany? I mean, like, they would blow up this pipeline just so Germany doesn't have the option to turn it back on through the winter. I mean, that's it's pretty dark.
2: Isn't it also a little surprising that long-term Germany doesn't go... Man, working with the U.S. kind of sucks. Like, here we are, we're trying to pick a fight with Russia, we get them into a war with Ukraine, and we want to force Germany's hand into backing us. And we realize that Russia might have some leverage to get Germany to not back us because they got all the cheap natural gas coming in. And so we go, well, and by the way, even that's a side storyline, I think this was just American interest did not want that pipeline. And if you're Germany, like, what are we doing for you? I, I mean, I'm sure that we're a decent partner, but I'm just saying, like, are we giving you cheaper natural gas? Like, I I mean, well, I'm not the- sure
1: I'm not sure you're you're right about that. I, I think that this was it, Germany is the economic heart of Europe. And I think there was real concern that if Germany turned back on uh, Nord Stream 2 and if they started getting this cheap gas from from Russia, uh, that was de- that it, like if it came to it that they needed that, then they're support for this war is going to go way down
2: no what i'm saying is i don't think us taking out the pipeline i don't think the primary reason was the ukraine war i think it's more likely that we wanted the ukraine war as a reason to take out this pipeline oh okay i can't say these as absolutes but it seems to me like they more maneuvered cover for taking out this pipeline Mm. and even the storyline of oh this was the last ditched effort to make sure that germany would support us I don't know. Ted Cruz was talking some shit about this pipeline earlier. Oh, they were they were
1: all pissed off about the pipeline from the very beginning. There's no question about that. Um, So that that would jive with with your theory. I mean, like there's no question they were against the pipeline from way before uh, Russia invaded Ukraine. Um, I do think for whatever reason, this war is a very big deal uh, to them. I think it's there might be stuff in Ukraine that they want to protect, that they don't want Russia getting, you know, their their hands on. Maybe information about how much corruption has been going on there. Um, or it's just that they are really this they see this as their opportunity to to break Russia and break Vladimir Putin. Um, I'm I'm not sure, but that's an interesting that's that's true. I didn't really think about it like that, but that is possible. Um, either way, once you recognize, once you accept even the possibility that America did this, um, it just changes how you view the whole conflict, especially if you're like if you're not already where we are. I mean it's like you know, Vladimir Putin, say whatever you will about him. And I think a lot of criticisms of him are fair. And I think it's like it's he certainly. You, you're going to have a very tough time, although some people try to. You're going to have a very tough time justifying his invasion of Ukraine. You know what I mean? Like, it's horrible. A lot of people are dying uh, in Ukraine and there just has, you know, like, I don't know exactly what it is, but there had to be some other way. But he was basically screaming four years before this war that was like, we have legitimate concerns and like we are very serious about this. And no one was listening to him. They were just laughing him off. In fact, he proposed before he invaded Ukraine. He had proposed um, several uh, like treaties. Like, he was proposing, like, listen, let's make a deal here. Take Ukraine joining NATO off the table. Demilitarize some of the, like, or, or pull back some of the NATO weapons in these countries that are very close to our border. You know, like, and they just, the U.S. just laughed him off. Like, no, nah, no, how about, no, we're not going to listen to any of these concerns. And this was, I mean, it goes over and over again. I mean, if you if you go back and read the, uh, the cables from uh, Burns, who's the head of the CIA now, Um, he, back then he was, uh, an ambassador. It was like in 2008, uh, that, that's the whole, you know, that yet means yet thing as WikiLeaks released it, but it was cables from him back to Condoleezza Rice. And he was like telling Condoleezza Rice, like he was like, yo, they are serious about this. This was right after NATO had announced that Ukraine was going to become a member of NATO. And they were like, this is the brightest of red lines for us. We're not playing around. And that was what the whole that yet means yet thing. That's what he was referring to. And even Burns wrote back that he was like, yo, this is not uh, this is not a game. This is very serious. And it's not just Vladimir Putin or we like this is the entire this is unanimous amongst the entire Russian establishment, that they will not put up with this. And I think that essentially what led to this invasion was Russia went to themselves. They went, oh, they basically made Ukraine part of NATO already. They've de facto made them NATO like they're sending in weapons to them. They're you know what I mean? They're integrating them into the EU. They're doing all of these things. They're basically treating them as a NATO member. They, they did it. They basically did it, even though we told them this was our red line. And if you think about it, even in the way that we've defended them, we've done at least as much as Article five would require probably more than Article five technically requires you to do for a NATO country if they were invaded. Um so it really is in many ways like we've made them a de facto member of nato um let me actually see if I could pull up that fucking quote because it's such a good uh here yeah okay I have it so this was in two thousand eight um in a in a cable uh from uh from uh the now uh, head of the c i a burns to Condoleezza rice and this was right after NATO had announced that they were gonna that that ukraine was joining and this is the words of uh, of burns he said, Ukrainian entry into NATO is the brightest of all red lines for the Russian elite, not just Putin. In more than in the more than two and a half years of conversations with key Russian players, from knuckle draggers in the darkest recesses of the Kremlin to Putin's sharpest liberal liberal critics, I have yet to find anyone who views Ukraine and NATO as anything other than a direct challenge to Russia. Uh Burns also wrote to Rice. Uh, that it would be, quote, hard to overstate the strategic consequences of bringing Ukraine into NATO. It will create fertile soil for Russian meddling in Crimea and eastern Ukraine. So like back in 2008, they knew this and they were even saying it to each other. They were like, "Yo, we're risking Crimea and Ukraine by proceeding in this. And it's just so crazy to me that like when i make the argument which is essentially the argument that i that i made on rogan that gets you pushed back from these fucking ukrainian flag npcs my argument is that russia was provoked essentially that when everybody refers to this as an unprovoked war that's bullshit and then they'll be like oh this is insane that you're saying russia was provoked and you're like here's the head of the cia saying it to condoleezza rice he wasn't the head of the cia at the time but he is currently It's like, even they're telling you, like, they're saying, we might be provoking them into this, and look what happened. They continued to do that, and look what happened, Crimea and Ukraine, right? Like, it's just, so the argument that it's not provoked just completely falls apart. But look, man, you just read this article by Seymour Hersh and tell me, you know, know, these are the good guys in this fight, or does it turn out that the most war-hungry country in the world... Uh, the United States of America, I should say the most war-hungry government in the world, the United States of America, you know, the, the ones who destroyed Iraq and Afghanistan and Syria and Libya and Somalia and Yemen. It turns out that they weren't motivated by their hatred of war. Like they weren't motivated by war crimes and we must oppose them. It turns out they're motivated by something else. And whether it is, you know, exactly what it is, Rob, whether it's just like the money interests that they represent, or there is some grander geopolitical, you know, like aim of world domination, or it's a mix of both. They want to dominate the world for their, you know, money interests, whatever it is, it's ugly and they ain't the good guys. All right, guys, let's take a moment and thank our sponsor for today's show, which is Bambi. If you run a small business, ask yourself, who's running your HR? And if you don't have an answer, then go get Bambi right now and then you'll have a real good one. Bambi is an HR platform built for businesses like yours so you can automate the most important HR practices and get your own dedicated HR manager. First, Bambi's HR Autopilot automates your core policies workplace training and employee feedback then your dedicated hr manager will help you navigate the more complex parts of hr and guide you to compliance available by phone email or real-time chat An in-house hr manager can cost you up to eighty thousand dollars a year but with bambi your dedicated hr manager starts at just ninety nine dollars a month no hidden fees and you can cancel anytime this is an excellent service compliance is part of the reality of running a small business and instead of paying 80 grand a year to hire someone to do it for you you can just let this company do it for you for 99 bucks a month bambi has received thousands of five-star reviews on trust pilot and their customers are four times less likely to have a claim filed against them you run your business let bambi run your hr go to bambi.com slash potp right now for your free for your free HR audit. That's B-A-M-B-E-E dot com slash P-O-T-P for your free HR audit. Bambi.com slash P-O-T-P. All right, let's get back into the show.
2: So what happens in this case? Does anyone actually full-fledged proof that the United States government does, like did this? Do, I don't know, do they condemn us in the UN? Like, what happens when we actually, I guess, attack right i mean that, that's an attack on russia right I
1: think oh should... yeah it's an act of war for sure
2: but isn't it so weird that aside from this article it's just kind of been dropped like we i, I guess russia doesn't want to take on the fact it's a little bit like
1: well China no russia war. is yeah. no russia is taking it on it just doesn't get reported but vladimir putin's been screaming from the rooftops about it the thing is that right. in in the american media first off they've banned like all the russian media outlets so you really can't even find them, you know? Right. And they it's not like they air Vladimir Putin's speeches every day. I mean, there you could find like his declaration of war. Uh, you know, uh he gave two speeches uh right before they he invaded Ukraine. Um, so you could find that stuff, but you don't. But no, he's been saying this constantly. If you like if you if you look in the right places and just see like the quote, he was demanding that there's like the, the America must answer questions about this and they have to be grilled. And he's demanding some type of international like court or something like that. But, yeah, they're just going to ignore it and not. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's kind of the, the playbook. Just ignore it and pretend that's not that's not a thing. You know, I'm like,
2: surprised we haven't seen more Russian cyber attacks.
1: Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Well, I don't know. Maybe they're coming, Rob. <laughs> um we've we have seen of course uh which was the big story. This hasn't been the big story in the news, but the big story in the news over the last few days has been like, you know, the wild balloon attack uh from the Chinese which uh is really something just to see. It's it really shows you like even in the opposition to Joe Biden, which is obviously Joe Biden deserves to be opposed, um but even amongst the like the right broadly speaking in america i mean man did they just lose their shit about a balloon and not keep their eyes on the prize like you know it's like you just like compare like the the um the importance of this story that we're just talking about to this balloon and then look at the, what dominated the news coverage over the last week and it's like insane how much everyone all day long like this balloon i don't know, i don't even understand like why it was such a sexy story for everyone and it's like almost like everything I don't know. I guess it has everything that the right wingers want, which is like proof that Joe Biden's weak on China and China's this huge threat and he's not confronting them. Um, I don't know.
2: Uh, well, it's to- a pretty in your face display that you don't respect our airspace.
1: Yeah, so, I suppose.
2: Uh, uh, like, you know, moving into Taiwan or even building fake oceans on the other side of the world. We don't see or hear that. But yeah. someone actually coming over here. Flying shit above us that's a giant fucking balloon, and us just doing nothing about it doesn't look great. And then the shadiness of the fact that we wait until it's over the ocean so it can't be easily recuperated is just weird. Yeah. well,
1: I think it's reasonable that they said um they had concerns about shooting it down because like that could like the debris could fall on people um and or a property.
2: shit. It was in remote areas. the thing's a giant balloon. and then you're telling me we don't have the technology to go hook things onto that and then deflate it and land it you don't have like the equivalent of like harpoons on planes i saw batman where they uh <laughs> takes out a plane and hooks onto it i don't think yeah. for one second you can't land a parachuter onto that thing and just land it mm, i just don't may- buy it
1: maybe i don't know um the the truth is that i think it's not completely unreasonable i think to uh to, to if you saw that to be like we want to find out information about this and I don't know that shooting it down immediately uh, is the right move or even if we could land it I, I just don't know land, I'm not land, saying it's not. one of
2: those dog robots in it and then just take some photographs and go listen there's nothing in here and we're gonna blow it up over the ocean and then I'll believe you and then I was joking well let's get back to them and fly the Macy's Day Parade above their country just <laughs> to be like we got balloons too motherfuckers.
1: Well, from what I've read about it, I think a lot of the fear of the balloon, it seems to be overhyped and doesn't really make that much sense. So they were talking about, um, you know, like, oh, it's they're they're spying on our like, you know, nuclear sites or they're spying on our military gear. But from everything I've read on it, it's like th- they could get better pictures from uh, from satellites and we wouldn't be able to, d- so to detect is, them.
2: This is an oddity but the guy who I think his official position is head of NORAD, I don't even know what that stands for, but the guy whose job it is to like monitor Mm -hmm. this shit actually admitted, hey, I messed up, and the thing that they had would be more effective than any satellites that they have. So,
1: The second part I didn't hear.
2: Yeah, that's what he said. He said that because of the size and scope of this, they would be able to, now I don't know enough about satellites, but you want to talk about how often does the government actually admit to errors that, that's one of the weirdest things of the storyline is the government admitting to an error and saying this actually is a breach and worse than satellites. Well, the,
1: another another aspect of it that's pretty weird is that this basically got uncovered because a dude found it with his camera. You know what I mean? And he yeah. was like, hey, what's that thing? And so <laughs> and and the official government claim is actually like, oh, no, this has happened lots of times. <laughs> like, that's actually yeah, their official is... claim. So and they're using that to be like, no, Trump did it a bunch of times, too. Now, who the hell knows with these people? Because they're all a bunch of liars. But it's interesting that that's their defense. It's like, right. no, nah, we do this all the time. We let the Chinese violate our airspace. You know what I mean? <laughs> and we don't do it. Like, this is happened lots of times. Even Trump did it. And it's like, oh, so all of a sudden what Trump did is good in your mind? I don't know. It's just the whole thing's very bizarre. I would would say that I think a, a big missing piece to this that comes with a lot. Th- this almost is always the case. This is the, uh, basically what the idea of blowback was. When the CIA coined the term was the idea was that you have these covert American policies, so you have these secret American policies, and then, when these unintended consequences come from those secret policies, the American people have no idea to make the connection because they don 't even know about the first policy and this also This same phenomenon also happens with policies that aren 't even covert just because the American people don't really know anything about what their government is doing halfway around the world. So when these things come back... So in other words, like, for most American people, when there's the, uh, the Iranian Revolution in 1979 and they're, like, burning American flags and shit, they're like, whoa, where the hell did this come from? These crazy Muslims hate us all, you know? But that's because they, also, they don't know that we overthrew their democratically elected government a couple decades earlier. Now, if they knew that it makes a lot more sense you're like oh that's why they're burning our flags (laughs) because they really didn't like this guy who they were overthrowing and it turns out we installed him right like it just made and you know it's that there's this missing component to almost like all of the the mainstream coverage of this stuff where they're like oh my god the chinese why would they provoke us like this and you're just like dude we run war games constantly right up to china's border like right and like the like right on the water outside of china we're constantly just running exercises i mean it was like imagine like someone like came up to your house and then like on your front lawn started just running drills of how they would like raid your home and pull you and your family out of it they're just practicing out there right there for you to see, constantly and so you know and there's there's a lot of this stuff where it's like And even the stuff of like having Joe Biden talk about how we would militarily defend Taiwan and all of these things. There's like there's this crazy like this is the same thing with what Russian uh, with the American foreign policy toward Russia has been for so many decades now. It's like this constant policy of provocation and the justification, at least the stated justification for it, is that it's deterrence, that the reason we do this is so they don't fuck with us, you know. Because they see what we can do in fact this was the justification for the huge um uh weapons package that was sent into ukraine under donald trump the the justification for why the us was sending ukraine weapons b- back well before uh 2021 2022 the reason that the the justification was to deter vladimir putin however in hindsight You'd have to at least, at the very least, argue it didn't deter him and, at the worst, argue that maybe he saw that as a provocation, not a deterrent, right? And so I think this is a, a one of the major problems with, like, this dominant foreign policy that we have is that it ma- – You know, if you at least consider the possibility like, oh, maybe this isn't a deterrent, maybe this is a provocation, it kind of changes all these things. And it's like why we are so with all of the problems we have in our country right now, why we are so hellbent on provoking the two nuclear superpowers in the world at once just seems like it it doesn't seem like stupid or insane are not are not um, strong enough terms. It seems suicidal. It seems like you would only do this if you were trying to destroy this country. Hey, maybe that is the goal. I don't know. Um, Anyway, I'm much more concerned with the threat of nuclear war than I am with some uh, some balloons that they've determined to be spy balloons. I don't even know that they've determined that there's just I just know that Fox News was calling them spy balloons from the first day that they were spotted. I don't actually think we've seen any evidence that they were, but they were something. I don't know. All right, guys, let's take a moment and thank our sponsor for today's show, which is Yo Kratom, YoKratom.com, home of the $60 kilo. If you are over the age of 21 and you're a fan of Kratom, Go grab your Kratom from YoKratom.com. It's a no-brainer. They have quality lab-tested stuff. It's delivered right to your door, and it's the best deal you're going to find anywhere. $60 for a kilo. It's unheard of in the Kratom world. Also, they're a great sponsor of this show and this entire network. So if you like this show and you like Kratom, go get your Kratom at YoKratom.com. All right, let's get back into the show. All right, so what else do we got? Okay, there was a uh, there were the the Twitter hearings uh which we could get into this a little bit. This is kind of look, as we both know, Rob, we're not going to get much out of a Republican controlled <clears throat> Congress. Um we're not going to get much especially when the the Democrats have the Senate and the presidency, but even if they didn't, we're not going to get much. But what you can get when the when the Republicans are don't have, you know, enough power to actually do anything, um When they have enough power to actually do anything, they'll just do bad things. But when they have no power and the Democrats are doing bad things, they'll speak up against those bad things. Um, But the best we're going to get from a Republican controlled house is this. So let's try to enjoy the show. And then sometimes some of these hearings, there are some things that are revealed. Uh, Sometimes it's just fun to watch uh, the reaction that it provokes from people. I want to play a a clip real quick before we get into the uh, discussing the hearings themselves. Here was our, our our good friend, Joe Scarborough. Over on MSNBC, reacting to the prospect of Twitter hearings,
0: 14 percent of Americans care about. It. But Jen Psaki, the problem also with these hearings are you look at these these issues. They never produce it. the Twitter files. You remember the Twitter files? <laughs> oh yes. boy, that was rough. like it's going to be the end. <laughs> it's fascinating that the Twitter files had such an extraordinary blind spot and ended up being the most biased thing I've ever seen in my yeah. life because we find out after the Twitter files come out, I guess Elon didn't give them all the information about like Twitter executives cowering in the corner and doing whatever Donald Trump wanted them to do. Mm-hmm. You've got the Twitter files, you've got the New York Post, uh, uh, the, the, the Hunter Biden laptop thing. These things have been looked at. It's just like when when they were, you know, who's the special... Ca- Durham. It's just like Durham. I'd read Durham's pleadings and I'd say, okay, I, there has to be something here. Yeah. And Miku, Miku will tell you, I read one pleading all day and I called about 30 legal experts. I go, what's here? And everyone of them said, I've been reading it. I don't think anything's here. Conservatives keep doing this they did it with durham and their witch hunt against the fbi they did it on hunter biden's laptop and their witch hunt against twitter they did it on the twitter files and their witch hunt like only they only want to go after blue witches they don't want to go after red witches these things never ever produce the punch they expect no i'm to go back to mike Markle's earlier
1: so we could just pause or that's basically the, the clip yeah
2: Does the blonde lady ever talk or does she always just sit there with your dad and I have to talk to you energy and she just sits there?
1: She does talk at some point, but she's got a real kind of like Robin vibe to his Howard, if that makes sense. You know, it's morning Joe. It's not morning Mika. Um, So it's like his show. He's She kind of, you know, "Mm -hmm. I guess I can understand Mm -hmm. that role. Okay, fair enough. (laughs) 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 Anyway, it's just it's very funny to watch, th- so this is how they they deal with these stories now. It's like, in hindsight, yeah, there was nothing there. There was nothing even there. Except in both of those stories, there was so much there. There's so much there. Like, holy shit, are you kidding me? If, if roles were reversed, you would think these were the biggest bombshell stories in history. You know what I mean? Like, there was nothing there. Oh, yeah, sure, sure. Like, the FBI colluded with uh, Twitter and other, you know, to change the outcome of an election i don't know yeah there's direct election interference by the the highest most secretive levels of the government working against their own president yeah it's a pretty big story and of course the hunter biden story i mean we've gone over a bunch of times it's like insane what about it's like again it's just like a crazy story where all of you guys got it completely wrong and this is one of the things that's just like maddening about these guys, like that they can be so, like, it's, it's, you see, it's like the level of how corrupt they are that you're like, oh, wait, your story about like, let's just objectively, what happened with the Hunter Biden story is that it was a real story. All of you guys said it was Russian propaganda. Then you had all of the, the you know, former heads of the CIA and different intelligence people come on to say it had all the earmarks of Russian propaganda. Then, even now, everybody has to admit that's wrong. It turns out you were completely wrong, and you were using the deep state to lie to people, or the deep state was using you to lie to people. And now when you look back on the story, you go, yeah, remember, there was nothing there. That's my assessment of it. It was no big thing. They're like, so so in other words you're using that story to try to make the opposition look bad when really anyone who's being honest and paying attention knows what it revealed is that you guys were all a bunch of liars and yeah the fact that you were able, that you used Twitter to lock the account of one of the biggest newspapers in the country and then ban people from sharing the link yeah that's pretty creepy um anyway i just thought that clip was uh Interesting and worth playing. So have you been watching these these hearings with our, our friend Yoel Roth and the other, uh, what's her name, the Indian lady there? What, what are your thoughts? I, I will confess at first, I have, I've only seen a few clips. I've not watched that much of it.
2: So I believe it was about six hours long, uh, and on my car ride back from the city last night, uh, I think I probably watched about an hour in clips. Uh, so firstly, Yoel Roth, smart guy. And just to kind of lay out the table here, so you got on the Republican side, they're saying. Uh, it's very clear that the FBI and the Biden administration is colluding with big tech. It's a violation of uh, your freedom of speech, given marching orders to the tech companies. And uh, then, you know, the other side is that they're saying, nope, these are uh, anyone can go to these platforms. These platforms, they run their own enterprises. They can make their own decisions. And they were making their own decisions here. Now, it is clear that the FBI and these individuals and you all Roth is clearly for some reason, very slick and wanting to defend the FBI. He's like, if you just look at the way he's there, even where he goes, well, I wouldn't categorize it. You know what I mean? Like, just the way he's talking, he seems to want to be protecting the FBI's interest and at least not even to express that he was pressured by the FBI, which is a very loose claim of, hey, do you feel like you were pressured by the FBI? And we read those emails. There was certainly some pressure in that they had to take money from, in the most favorable viewpoint. Twitter had to take money from the FBI to cover their own operational costs of having to do the paperwork and kind of be at the behest and call. At a minimum, they're taking money. So to claim that they're not even pressured by the FBI, that you're not even pressured, that that already is taking a very favorable view of the FBI. And then uh, if you just look at it through that lens, it's kind of clear that the guy seems to be somewhat covering for the FBI. With all that being said, very slick in all the maneuverings here. Because he's never, they have different teams. So he's able to go, Oh, I'm never getting direct reporting, or I never got the direct decision. I wasn't a part of that. I'm hearing it from this person. No, there wasn't direct pressure. And then no one at the FBI ever gets on a call or is in writing to anybody going, Hey, I need you to do this. It's, Oh, doesn't that violate your policy? So I don't think you're going to find a violation of law. I think it's very clear that there is intimidation going on here and that there's things like being expected. Uh, But overall, the Republicans didn't do a great job of like really pinning him to doing anything illegal. And then except for one, there was one instance of there was a lady who proved that Yoel Roth was having um, like back channel conversations on another social media platform with the FBI. So it seems like they're undocumented direct communication. So I don't know, maybe they'll bust him for lying, but it seems like the FBI has been slicking its maneuverings.
1: Yeah. Yeah, 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 no, that's uh, I, that's kind of more or less what I figured um, would be like. It's like, OK, you're, you're clearly violating the spirit of the law. But like, do you have a strict legal defense that you never actually you know what I mean? Like, even with a lot of these things, you know, they they had, you know, the, the email say like, that Alex Berenson released. I remember we were talking about this at the time It's the White House was meeting with Twitter execs and they said, why is this guy still on Twitter? Now, if you want to be technical, they didn't say you have to pull this guy off Twitter. You know, so they, they could say like, oh, we didn't violate anybody's First Amendment rights. We asked a question. But we all know. It's just so obvious what the question is. It's Bob conversations. Yes.
2: Hey, yes. I think you're going to have a bit of a problem here. Yeah, it's like. I never said like, I was going to do anything. I said there'd be a problem. Yeah, I, no, I said, I, said, <laughs> I
1: said maybe you don't use our tomato sauce and maybe your place catches on fire. I wasn't threatening <laughs> to let, you know, it's like it's shit like that. So it's. It's a, a difficult situation. I did see the one uh exchange with um what's her name? Uh Bobbert, Lauren Bobbert, I think is her her name. The one where she was flipping out about her. It just I'm not even saying she's wrong. It just came off so petty that she was talking about her Twitter account being banned. Like it just seemed like this weird thing where she's like furious and she's like, You banned my account, my Twitter for this tweet. Look at this tweet. It's a joke. It's hilarious. Like it just sounds like what I would say if I was talking right. like a, a social media platform. I mean, again. She is right in the, you know, like uh, on the issue. Um, I I will say like you realize there's look, the government involvement is obviously the creepiest part of all of this. It's the most, it's the, the, you know, illegal part of all of this. If there is an illegal part um, certainly is in the violation of the spirit of the freedom of speech and government, not interfering with the free press and freedom of speech and things like that. But you know, you also realize as you watch this that, you know, it it's hard exactly to know how much again, because it's at least from what we know, it's not as if you have open threats being made. I mean, there were some threats that were made to the the heads of all of these uh, big tech companies um, when they were hauled before Congress. Like there were threats like we'll regulate you, which is basically a threat of of, you know, aggression from the government. Um but you know, it, you also see that like a lot of these people, Joel Roth included, they they do believe, I think, ideologically in what the progressives at least claim to believe. You know, so like you could see where like they do believe that Donald Trump is a threat to you know the our democracy, and they do believe that January sixth was an insurrection, and they do believe that it, you know. Uh, trans women are women or whatever you know what I mean if you go down the list of it they believe so you realize that like even while they're exerting pressure they may not have to exert that much pressure to kind of get them to do what they already kind of want to do um, and it's really creepy it's it's very creepy just like uh, you realize that Elon Musk buying this one company and kind of revealing this, this stuff and then realizing that like this is going on all over the place and this is really like it's, it's kind of impossible for any of us to measure, uh, number one, how much this has already changed the conversation in this country, how much this has already affected our culture and our politics and all of this, that the, you know, dissenting voices can really be, um, if not completely removed, turned way down. And then the other uh, really creepy thing is like, where is all of this going? What's the next the next logical step from this? All right guys let's take a moment and thank our sponsor for today's show which is yo kratom YoKratom.com, home of the $60 kilo. If you are over the age of 21 and you're a fan of Kratom, Go grab your Kratom from YoKratom.com. It's a no-brainer. They have quality lab-tested stuff. It's delivered right to your door, and it's the best deal you're going to find anywhere. $60 for a kilo. It's unheard of in the Kratom world. Also, they're a great sponsor of this show and this entire network. So if you like this show and you like Kratom, go get your Kratom at YoKratom.com. All right, let's get back into the show. I don't know if you saw... this one to me i thought was a very interesting story so um lauren southern uh do you know who she is she's um she's a uh she's like um she was a libertarian back in the day and then she became like a, a kind of right winger i guess um and she was like uh she got popular on on social media like i think around like 2016 2017 around that time she she started blowing up and she made like some documentaries and stuff uh she made a documentary on the uh the uh, migrant crisis in Europe. Um, I think she made a documentary on uh, South Africa um, and like the farmers getting killed out there and stuff. Um, But anyway, so she's uh, she has been kicked off of Airbnb, which is fairly uh, common. I guess people get kicked off Airbnb. There's a, a very bizarre one to get kicked off of. You know, it's not like getting kicked off of YouTube or Twitter or something like that. It's like you can't stay in someone's house now you know like it's it's just very strange um like you can't get a hotel room because of your politics is a it seems it, it's just a much different much more intimate level thing um uh, and of course it's like they, the airbnb i guess they i think it's jay carney is like running it now he's like one of obama's former press secretaries is mm. uh, I, I believe that's right i could be wrong about that but um so uh b- so they, they like said all the people who attended January 6th can't use Airbnb anymore. Like they do shit like this a lot. You
2: might plan an insurrection.
1: Yeah, right. Like it's it's like it's not even like, by the way, I, you could be a felon and go stay at an Airbnb. Like you could you know what I'm saying? Like I, it's, it's just so it's very bizarre. Um, but this was, I thought, more than just bizarre and actually really creepy. So Airbnb booted Lauren Southern's parents. Off of Airbnb. And sent them an email. they are. Yeah, sent them an email saying that, like, the reason we're we're kicking you off because you are, you know, we can see that you're closely related to an uh, an account that's been kicked off, so you guys can't use Airbnb anymore either. Anyway, she's got a very big following, so she made a huge thing about this. She was on Tucker Carlson the other night talking about it, and Airbnb reversed their decision there because I guess there was it was enough bad PR um, for them, so they they they, let them back on. The, uh, the Mr. and Mrs. Southern can rent an Airbnb now. But anyway, I just thought it was an interesting story of like how creepy the kind of the, you know, kind of the slippery slope of this stuff is. And and this isn't just like a hypothetical slippery slope. This is like something that actually happened. The idea of punishing your family now for you having the wrong political opinions.
2: Yeah, It gets very close to essentially a social credit system where you got yep. the wrong opinion. Not only can you not be on the platforms, but Uber won't pick you up. You can't stay in a hotel. You well, can't eat at these restaurants. Well, it's a mix like of a digital currency, which makes it easy for them to do that.
1: Well, it's, a, it's more than just that, right? So it's there's two aspects to it. There's the social credit aspect, but that's almost just getting kicked off Airbnb. This is now the social credit aspect along with a collective guilt aspect. Right. Your which family is like, being pissed right, at
2: you. You ruined it for us. Right.
1: Yeah. And just that they're going to punish your family. You know, that's something that changes, you know, there's a lot of people like who I think would say um, if there's like some really unpopular uh, truth, but they want to speak the truth and there'll be people who are, you know, th- you know, brave enough to say, I'm going to say I'm going to say that I don't care. I'm going to do this, um, even if something bad might happen to me. But if you said something bad's going to happen to your family, that's that's a whole different level of deterrent, you know, like there's there there. I'm sure there could be a lot of things. Where like if I, you know, said, you know, like, I, I don't know, pick the, you know, like you're in some real, real high stakes thing, whether it's, you know, they're bringing lockdowns back again. But this time they're for climate change and they go, we're going to lock down six months out of every year or something it's something really crazy. And you might be like, I'm willing to risk dying to try to fight against this. Um, but then if I said to you, well, how about your sister and her kids are also going to get killed? That might be something where you go, uh, yeah, like I'd I'd risk myself dying, but I'm not really comfortable risking my family. You know what I mean? Like there's just and and okay, this isn't like the stakes aren't quite that high, but you still see where there's this thing where we're like, we're going to make life miserable for your family. And also, like you said, probably kind of pit your family against you like their life's more difficult now because you had to hold these opinions. It's just a very creepy thing. And
2: and and when they do it to people that don't have a platform. So, like, this yeah. lady's able to tweet out to her fans, they realize, oh, this press isn't great. But if you did that to me, all right. Eh, you know what I mean? They, like, there's there's size and scope to this thing. Or how many people out there have they done this to that we don't even know about? Because they don't, you know what I mean? Like, that's the scariest part. They take you off the platforms. They remove you from your income or something else. And then at what point are you just a crazy guy in the street screaming? And people are like, all right, that's a crazy guy.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, you know, look, I mean, uh, like, I... You know, obviously, like I was saying, I think there are like former Democratic operatives who are working at this company. This is very involved. It's all about politics, right? Like that's her great sin is her political opinions and, and all of this stuff. Um, I will say I like I believe in freedom of association. Like I'm not even arguing like that. This should be illegal necessarily to do. But it is fucking horrible and terrifying. And there's got to be some mechanism to like stop this. Cause man, look, it's not even just like, it's not that much of a slippery slope argument. You're just saying, look how far it's already come. People being debanked, people being, you know, kicked off all social media platforms. Like, is it really that crazy of a next step for like, I don't know, like a grocery store? to do this or like just something like what's the next logical conclusion here and it's it's pretty scary and pretty like uh orwellian i mean it's really like something like this is like in north korea what they do like if you speak up against the government they will punish your entire family and that's one of the things that keeps people in line or even if someone just accuses you of speaking out against the government they'll punish your entire family i don't think it has to be true and so there's um there's just it it you know, OK, it's good that they pulled this one back. The question you raised is a really good one. How many people have they done this to that we don't know about? I don't, I don't know if there's any way we're tracking that. But, yeah, the fact that now you can kind of have this thing where you get these these really huge companies. Who are very much in bed with the government, it's like, OK, the government can't do these things directly because they still have this, you know, little some degree of constitutional process or something like that. But now they can kind of send their operatives out into these companies. And look, not being allowed to stay at Airbnb isn't like being debanked. Um, It's not like, you know, it's just kind of an inconvenience, I guess. Right. Like you could still go get a hotel room, but it's just a little thing like that. It's just to make your life a little bit more fucking difficult, like just a little needle in in there. And uh, to do that to people for having different political opinions is fucking creepy. It's a really, really bad, unhealthy direction for society to go.
2: Also, Airbnb doesn't do all that much to, like, they don't pre screen you as a user and they don't yeah. pre screen home you. It'd be one thing if they started linking social profiles and I guess a homeowner could decide, hey, I don't want that racist bigot in my house. Yeah. Like, all right. Like, you know what I mean? That would at least make sense, but for the platform to do it and the fees. By the way, I don't like
1: Airbnb there. for the record. Not an Airbnb guy. I like hotels. I don't, it
2: maybe has its moments but those fees there's so much bullshit with them I, can
1: i tell you i've stayed in them like yeah. a couple times ever in my life and this is where they lose me when you have to write a paragraph literally right there is where they, right. it's like i just sit there and i go hi i'm dave and i'd like to stay in your i'm like i hate this just just, just I, book a hotel i don't know right. what to tell you i want a place where it's just like give me this room okay that's the rate fine I'll be there.
2: I, I had with the last guy. when the Airbnbs are good sometimes when I've done, like, road shows because I can bring, like, five comics, and for the price of two hotel rooms, you can bring, like, ten people type thing. So yeah, that, that, I don't that, want
1: th- any of that. No one will be in my room.
2: There you go. That's <laughs> the only circumstance by which Airbnb has made sense, but even this past time, the guy kept, like, trying to like text me to just make conversation and it's like i want nothing to do with you if you don't feel comfortable renting me your house don't i don't like you know like it was almost like when you get into an uber and the guy wants to make conversation you're annoyed but it was this energy for four days because the guy just wanted to check in or whatever we're not friends i need to check in with you in the morning you're my mom or girlfriend leave me alone
1: (laughs) yeah got my credit
2: card on file if i trash the house he'll charge me
1: yeah really yeah no i get that that's why i like that about a hotel Like, this is just business this is just like we've got a whole system worked out here i (laughs) check in you clean it i do what i want
2: towels everyone gets what they want out of this
1: i assume that's why you gave me so many
2: towels
1: (laughs) who uses this many towels how many face towels do i need really that's
2: honestly the most respectful place to put it of all the options in a hotel room (laughs) (laughs) it's not bad yeah
1: Um, all right, I think we're gonna uh we'll wrap up there. Uh looking forward to uh doing some comedy with you this weekend, brother. Always uh always a fun time.
2: I got something to promote. Firstly, always check out run your mouth coming out basically on the days we don't do this, and then also gonna start doing a weekly show in New York City at 8 p.m. at Cafe Bohemias. Ten dollar tickets. Use the promo code FIRE for five dollars, showcase, put it up, my friends gonna be fun. 8 p.m.
1: Hell yeah, dude. Awesome. All right, catch you guys next time. Peace.